Hello, hello, hello. Testing audio levels, testing audio levels. Uh, turning up this dial here, and we're good. What's going on? We are live. What the? What? What the? Wait. Turning this up. What? All right, there we go. All right, uh, this is one humble host. I am Sam Lee Ferguson. And this is one bumble oh host. God. Hello. I'm a, I'm Zachary Dare, Zachary Ferguson. It's he, the... Okay. That's Zach Ferguson. Um and uh I don't know if I said my last name. My name is also uh more, my last name ends with Ferguson. Um no relation. No relation, believe it or not. No yeah, relation. We actually met on the street and we both thought it was quite hilarious that we we're both named Ferguson. And we're like, um, let's pretend to be brothers. Let's pretend to be brothers for four Trick years these. on a radio show. Yes. Um, this is two thumbs undecided. Um, we uh, uh, and uh, actually the uh, the person you might you might uh, uh, like this Zach. This isn't the surprise. I have a surprise for Zach and the audience uh, coming up. I think soon. I know what it is. But the this the the person before us. Um, is uh used to be before us when we first started out. Um, really? Yeah, he oh, was wow. uh, the lead person in um. It used to be called Young Folk, uh, Young Folks Radio. Um, let me. I. Uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, I forget. He told me what his new um show is called. He updated it. But we had a nice little uh little reunion while he was playing uh um. William Shatner's spoken word right before this. Um, I remember, yeah, I remember seeing him that one time I was in the office. Yeah, or in it was the studio. It was it's kind 100 of, Bogart. Yeah, back in the crazy. day we were at 100 Bogart, which is really but not you know that what's far. But you know what's crazy about that is um, when I moved to New York, my job was in 100 Bogart. Yeah, like my reporting place. Yeah, that I had to drop off samples. No, it's a beautiful thing. Um, time. Well, it's just interesting because we both, uh, the 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 uh, 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 he and I, um, we had uh, diff different time slots. He was at ten a.m. on Sunday, and we were at eleven a.m. on Sunday. Yes. And now uh, he's at four p.m. and I'm at five p.m. on Sunday. It's just I gonna, don't know. It's, it's a. It's a. You know. It's a. It's a growing. Yeah. It's an interesting community, this Radio Free Brooklyn. I, Anyways. I got to tell you, I think I do like 5 p.m. on a Sunday. I think I, I have I think, to. I mean, yeah. it's nice to – you know what? That's a little toss-up because it is kind of smack dab right in the middle there. Well, I like, think it's a good time for me because I can still – when this is done at 6, it's like, oh, like – I can still go home and do laundry. I can still was, like have a very comfortable time. I was um, gonna wonder. You're you're a very active guy. Yeah. Um, I've been at home finishing up uh, a very close to finishing a, a a big thing that I've been working on for three months. Mm -hmm. um, but um, for you, I feel like, well, I gotta go to the beach. I gotta go here. I well, gotta go, I gotta go to the meet beach, Jimmy. Beach. Uh, let's go ahead and wave. Hey, hey, what you gonna say? Bad bitches like me are hard to come by. I'm on the floor, floor. 
That's uh, Nicki Minaj. That is amazing. Oh, I thought you came up with that. I was going to say I really like that, but I don't know why you had to be a little vulgar. Yeah, um, Nicki Minaj, unfortunately. You could have been big vulgar. Not for kids. Um, or if you're So uh, we talk about film. Uh, we are doing a little mini-series on film critics uh, throughout history. We've talked about Bosley Crowther. We've talked oh, about... Yes. Uh, George Siskel, um, and some other people. Uh, and today we have a very special episode that we have, uh, not guest kind of, yeah, not a guest. Uh, this person is long dead. Um, and we'll explain how she died. Ooh. Um, and we'll also talk about her criticisms. She's very famous. Uh, but before we get to that, um, I have my little surprise. For uh, Zach and um, the the rest of uh, Two Thumbs Undecided, we have. I do not. I dull not dull dult on what? What you not. Oh, see that coming, Sam. That you had a surprise. Oh boy, a you saw it on a friend of a the show's Dalton's Instagram. Uh, Dalton, uh, Dalton Court, who has um, played. Uh, I'm not going to break the fourth wall. He's uh he's come on occasionally. Um, you have to guess which one he's been. You just have to yeah. You just have to guess. He's been a voice uh, on the show before. Um, but he's also a composer by trade. Um, and we have commissioned him for a little tune that is going to be the beginning because Zach and I have had long debates on like what should be the theme song to our show. Um, Sam and- really wanted it to keep being. I you appreciate know, classic. the classic Bach, you know. So this, I have actually not heard this song yet. Um, really, the only, <laughs> the only direction. You're in good standing with him, right? With Dalton. He didn't, what do you like, mean? Oh, like, you think it's going to be shit because he's mad at me? Or like you did something to him where like you accidentally, <laughs> I don't know, ran over his bike. I did run like, over yeah, his I'm, bike. Yeah, and that was his only way. He, was yeah, like a I'm actually kind of worried that like this is just gonna be him like of... talking to me, like attacking me for something like this. Because <laughs> I really, I have not listened to this at all yet, Mom. All we really, on. all I've really told him, I've actually given him a lot of stuff. I said, let's uh, make it sound like uh, like a late night like talk show intro, um, like you know, like the '90s, uh, like. Uh, what's just, his face? It's just the Seinfeld theme song. <laughs> but I said mix like the, these late night um, talk shows uh, like um, what the what's his what? Who's the like guy Conan that writes o- for this? I, I know, Conan I, O'Brien. Yeah, the like Conan O'Brien who, intro. But, it's, it's, but I said I know, mix like, it with My Bloody Valentine. Um, uh, that and, I don't understand. And you, add you, like a little distortion, like make it a little bit new wave. What? My Bloody Valentine? I've really gotten into My Bloody Valentine recently. Anyways. Aren't they like a grunge? No. Well, they're shoegates. I think you're shoe thinking gates. of, there's another band that sounds very similar to them. I'd recommend. My listen- Morning Jacket is the one I like. Uh, My Bloody Valentine, I'm pretty sure. Not really what, grunge. Like, the emo goth girls mm-hmm. would listen to in high school. Like a anyway, Blink 182. They're not Blink 182. They're not Blink 182. Um, they're it's like uh, it sounds like, like J-Som. You remember J-Som? J-Som Jerulo. Yeah, nope, is not it? that person. All J-Som. right, so this I is like this is the song. Um, it's right now. It's just called Two Thumbs Undecided Theme Song. 
first time for me listening to it. Um, Zach, don't talk or talk maybe a little bit, but like you're connected to the same thing that's playing um, the song. So if you talk, uh, we will hear it. I'm turning off my mic though. Okay. next song called dad's chair uh that was it that was really good thank you dalton thanks Dalton. oh my goodness now to break the uh cover um uh, i actually could not hear that at all oh really <laughs> no why didn't you I tell heard... me well i mean I, you told me to be quiet well i thought I, you could hear it oh, now i heard like i heard like god ec- like yeah, I didn't. Oh hear my deal. I mean, okay, I'll, wait. I'll just listen. I doubt. No, I don't need to. I'll. I doubt that. I could see your face, and I from that. I. 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 I, I didn't make us. No, it was not. A, it was a not a. Uh, it was definitely not a revenge piece. Um, I liked it a lot. I. I think. Uh, it's, it, there. There little, might be one or two notes that I would give him, but um, I think the 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 music itself is is um it's definitely the thing that i was asking for um and i think you'll enjoy it as well zach i was a little worried because your face looked like slightly confused um and i was like "Uh uh-oh is he not liking (laughs) like you just look like hmm hmm." yeah i'll I'll be interested in uh hearing it Uh, yeah uh dalton um or you even mentioned me in an instagram like two seconds before the show started so i knew and i like dalton stuff dalton is a very talented man honestly yeah. we need to have dalton on as a because he does as him as a comp yeah he's he's doing a um composition a for a feature right now um and uh yeah I, I actually asked him to do a song that i i thought was very good for a cartoon that mm-hmm. um yes not- <laughs> That actually got last place, not because of the music, but because <sighs> there were technical problems and mm. it ruined the flow. Anyways, Aww. it's a personal thing, but well. he, he uh, yeah, he's worked for us yeah. a few times. And uh, he has again. And as a friend. Uh, so thank you. Oh, Thanks, doll. I'm going to real quickly turn on the light because it is quite dark. Um, so yeah, entertain you are them for one second. You are engulfed. Sam... Is leaving. Um, yeah, thank you so much, uh, everybody. For um, now, you are in the 
the new theme song era. You know, there's a time where like like Comedy Bang Bang, for example, for those who enjoyed it, there were two years where they had a whole different they were comedy death ray. Um uh, and then we have the now iconic um Reggie Watts song. Yeah. So that's kinda like us. But we took four, almost five years yeah. uh, to have our official theme song, <clears throat> which I uh, still have not heard. <laughs> this uh so that that is uh that was the song. Um and uh we'll hear that or a version of that um from yes. possibly now on unless Zach horribly ves- vetoes it. Um but uh I liked it. Anyways, um you have some film news. Yes, uh it has been a titanic day for oh, film news. Oh nice that day, one. sorry, a week. Uh, <laughs> that is one of the film news. Uh, but I'll save that because that's good news. But no, not there's no not been any like not to my knowledge deaths, but a lot of people who have been respected are like all charged with horrible things. So I'll, oh, I'll yeah. just go through them real quick. Um, okay, so Justin Roiland, uh, create a co-creator of Rick and Morty, Solar Opposites, uh, got his fame from One on One, the Channel One on One, which is a thing I love. Uh, has been uh, is facing felony domestic violence charges. Oh my god! Um, I, didn't, I didn't even know this. Plus, some something else I forget. Where I guess he was trying. Like it's a whole. Th- uh, what is it? False imprisonment. Yeah, this just came out for a um a August twenty twenty uh thing. So this happened two years ago, and it's only just come to light. Wow. So he is in some deep trouble, and th- apparently it's been one of those well-guarded like one of those visible secrets in hollywood that justin roiland is mm. like a, a creep well uh, um yeah i mean he, I, I mean if you watched rick and morty recently i mean there's weird cartoons and that's a weird cartoon but now i mean he didn't he doesn't write all of them but like it's a weird show and it kind of show i don't know i don't know if the two i'm just saying that it's not a big surprise. Yeah. I am saddened that he is a, a, a domestic violence, and I feel sorry for any women out there mm-hmm. or any partners who, out there who have had to face this crazy man in those crazy times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's, that's one news. Uh, the other is... Um, I don't know if you enjoy the workings of Andrew Callahan. Yeah, yeah, I saw this. Uh, I watched actually, like, so uh, Andrew Callahan, a YouTuber who's now gone Patreon and HBO documentarian. Yes. Uh, for Channel Five, started off with all gas, no breaks, very Gonzo type guy. You know, he, uh, I, I, I saw he. Wait, uh, okay, okay, go ahead. Sorry, I mean, I'm just giving him. His is, anyways. He a lot of uh, women are claiming he sexually caroused them mm-hmm. uh, for. So he's also having some me- uh, sexual misconduct allegations. No federal charges, but there have been texts revealed that he is a not the most uh, great guy. Uh, yeah, not good. So that that has that has. In in a way, I mean, once again, um, you know, uh, our thoughts and our our whatever go out to these women 
and also just the hope that that things grow and heal um but in a way i mean i saw the i also i saw these like memes kind of explaining how like you know andrew callahan was supposed to be like the chosen one he was the weirdo who was supposed to like yeah. divide like bring us together you know he was i thought his news reporting was very um he did the smart he did that smart thing where he let people who were fools make fools of themselves uh-huh. um but in a way instead he made fools of us all yeah um so uh thoughts uh, and um peace and love to uh those those women to you know be strong out there uh so yes and then another thing i know this is a i want to just get this out of the way so we can get to the the meat of our discussion but uh a show that is ramping up and uh, major disappointments is the new cartoon show Velma. Yeah, the adult teen romp cartoon uh, of is that uh, Mindy Velma. Kaling. Yeah, Mindy and Kaling. Sam uh, Richardson. Well, he's a voice. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. But it, it it is a Mindy. It is a Mindy project joint. <laughs> Mindy Kaling and uh, her the person who also wrote it with her, Charlie. Grady actually developed it, so it's it's really it's his Charlie Grady and then Mindy Kaling, but Charlie Grady is has worked with her throughout, um, and it is a. I saw the first two episodes because mm-hmm. I really don't like. To, I mean, I, I you can go along with the crowd, but I wanted to see if it really was horrible, um, because it has a one point nine on on on. Um, IMDb, yeah, and I watched it, and yes, it is not. The jokes are very, very easy. Like it's, it's like someone. It's like the only people who think that are white uh, aristocrats who um, have leggings. You know, it's, it's not. I, I can't. I'm just. I'm trying to think of what kind of a joke. There's a lot of jokes out there, but. It's they're not good. It in my review, if I had to give a review, is it is a less funny and not smart version of Darlia or Darlia. Have you ever heard of this? No. It's the uh, it's the Mike Hill, um, uh, Mike Judge. Sorry, Mike. Oh yeah, Mike Judge, who did uh, King of the Hill and Beavis and Butthead. Uh, there was a show he made card called uh, Dahlia. Which was about a snarky, very like above everybody else, a uh, high school girl. Yeah. Um, but the dichotomy of her and everybody else was much funnier than this. This Velma's just an asshole. Like, there's a there's a plot in it where her she's trying to find her mother because she thinks her mother was kidnapped. Uh, okay, I really don't care that much about this show. Okay. Anyways, it's horrible. Um. Go watch the Venture Brothers where they parody Scooby-Doo. And then the final one is happy news. The Titanic is rising again uh-huh. for its 25th anniversary uh, coming February 10th of this year. They are going to bring it back. I don't think it's coming back in 3D, but it is coming back in, in restored 4K or 7K. So I'm yeah, hoping to... it's 4K and 3D in theaters. And Zach and I went to see it in theaters when it uh when it first was uh 
3D. I think it was like 2011 or something. Um, yeah. No. No, we were definitely. I was still in. Uh, I think we were both still in high school. Oh my goodness! I wow. think because That's... it was right after the first Avatar. It's kind of weird because Avatar's back in theaters, and now Titanic. Because like Titan, there was like a huge wave of all of these older movies were getting 3D theatrical releases. Like after Avatar came out, and I'm pretty sure Avatar came out in 2009. Or no, 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 no 2000. No. Uh, 2008, I believe. Really? No, 2009. 2009. Okay, so it came out in 2009, and so uh, it was in Titanic came out maybe, uh, or like 3 came out a few years later. And so it's going back to theaters, <laughs> but now Yay! it's 4K? I don't know what it was before. Maybe it was 2K, probably. I don't know. Do you think that, uh, that James Cameron has run out of money or something? Like he spent uh... all his money... Like maybe he I think went down. I think he, yeah, I think he went to the bottom of the ocean and actually died. And uh, <laughs> he's had a lookalike that is just basically and trying he, he to do. He doesn't know his password. Yeah, because he's a clone. <laughs> so he's like, oh man. Or I there's just, an I'll alien just... that like, yeah, hijacked his brain or something. But it's it's just like it's just Ooh. going through the movements of what James Cameron would be doing. Uh, and it's just passable enough, but it's not actually James Cameron. Um, we need to tell the guy with the uh, with the moving camera. He interviewed a oh yeah the uh, friend of the show Reese uh, uh, Reese I forget his last name actually. Um, yeah, yeah. The but anyways, episode where everything failed. Yeah, this is our first episode back. Anyways, um, um, I have a little bit of film news, and then we'll get into the actual thing. Uh, 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 Paul Mescal is actually killing it right now. He has been cast in the new Ridley Scott um, Gladiator sequel, and he also is cast in the new Richard Linklater uh, movie that's going to take place uh, over decades of filming um, called Merrily We Roll Along. Um, Hold on. So they're starting to film it? Yeah, they're starting it. Uh, So we're not going to probably see it for another 30 or so years. Um, What is that? I don't know. 2033? Just do your math, man. What year is it now? I like, just it yeah, it's 2033. It will come out. No, I said in 30 years. 30 years from now. Oh, 30 is, years. I thought yeah. I thought you said 10 years. I did not say that. Anyways, uh, and then apparently Megan is doing really well, and I'm very excited about um seeing that movie. I really want to see that. Okay. I want to see it on streaming. Right. Yeah, I don't think... Well, I mean, it's good to support theaters. Anyways... Or I'll go to Manor. Yeah. All right, so uh, today we are talking about um, famous. Probably, I dare to say, the most famous? No. Huh. I'd say probably the most famous. For people who like... I think Roger Ebert is probably the most uh, widely famous, but I think people who like movies would point to Pauline Kael as, like, the most influential American film critic. By the way, um, that's who we're talking about yes, today. Yes, Pauline Kael. Uh, Pauline Kael. Yes. So there you go. Uh, she was born in June 19th, 1919. Uh, and she, regrettably, is dead. Um, and can't she live forever. Can't. She lived, she lived to 82 years old. She lived to 82. Oh, 
here's some happy news. Okay. Uh, she did not. She died on September third. I know. So she pieced uh, right before it all changed. Never had to do a review of a nine eleven inspired movie. Yes. Um. Is that a good thing? We'll never know. <sighs> well, we'll get into her reviews Maybe and she things like liked, that. Uh, but a little bit of uh, history, just very quickly pulled off of uh, Wikipedia. Um, she studied philosophy and literature and art at Berkeley, um, which is in California, but she dropped out as every cool artist does. Um, and then she, uh, was intending to go to law school, um, but she fell in love with a group of artists and moved Mm. to the big city, NYC, with poet Robert Uh Horan. Um, three years later, uh, she returned to Berkeley and led a... Pardon me. Um, bohemian lifestyle. Now, this, mind you, is in the like the forties. Like she was leading a bohemian. This isn't like the the beat generation of the fifties hadn't really quite hit yet. Um, uh, a lot of things. She was kind of like a very much a hipster before it was even really being a hipster. Um, but she was writing a lot of plays and a lot of experimental filmmaking. Um. But then, uh, um, in, in uh, 1948, she and filmmaker James uh, Broughton had a daughter. Oops, had a daughter, um, and they uh, she needed to get a job um, to take care of uh, the kid. Her name um, was Gina James, if you could believe it. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and so fast forward to, um, 1952. 1952. Wow, we're Can all... Can I take over this? Can I take over? Yeah, you take over. All right, so 1952 was the hallmark year for our known reviewer, Pauline Kale, when the editor of City Lights magazine overheard our dear critic talking about films at some coffee shop. You know, living that bohemian uh, life with a uh, with a buddy of hers. Just imagine this: Eisenhower Peter is president. C. Martin. This is Listen. the bomb had fallen. Only the Cold War had just begun. Uh, America was turning into an extremely conservative, extremely extremely uh, simple life. And here JFK comes. wasn't around quite yet. He was still probably flirting up with uh, with his soon to be wife. A Hey there, Nancy. <laughs> Wait, what's her name? What's yeah, it's Nancy face? Reagan. <laughs> hey there, Nancy. How would you like to be my? It's Jackie. JF, Jackie, Jackie. <laughs> he forgets her name. If you don't marry me, I'll put a hole in my head. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what do you say, Jackie? That's actually how he got all of his girls to threaten suicide. <laughs> Yeah, if you don't make me president, I'll shoot. <laughs> that was his. That was his tagline. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't, <laughs> if you don't make me president, I'll shoot myself. <laughs> That's in good taste. It's been like yeah, seventy years. Apparently, I found out that um, there's actually documentations that are now being declassified about that, and it actually um, Lee Harvey uh, Lee Harvey Oswald worked for um the CIA. Is what, uh, uh, this is like the one conspiracy thing I think you truly believe, right? Yes, I 100% believe that uh, it was not 
Well, I, uh, okay, I don't want to get there into there it. Anyways, so anyways, 1952. Yes. So this guy just walks into a shop. He's probably wanting to get like a crawler or whatever is 1952. What? Um, well, he's in a coffee shop. He wants to get coffee or a donut. But what's a crawler? Um, a crawler. That's like I think that's like a like a East Coast. Never eat shredded wheat. A west a west a West Coast thing. So actually, I've just heard it's a donut of some sort. Okay. Um, but they're in New York, and he hears this woman uh, talking. Who I forget about what what movie would be out. Like, I think let's see what would be coming out. So what came out in nineteen fifty two? She's like, I think Dumbo is so racist. Wait. No, wait. There's the... a, a re- new release. They just re-released Dumbo. And oh my goodness. And why do they put that scene where he gets drunk? Pauline, come on. It's oh, kitchen. Singing in the Rain. See, oh, well. Pff. She was she probably talking. A, yeah. No, she liked that movie. She, she hated Sound of Music. Oh, yeah. So she's like, Singing in the Rain. <laughs> That, that happens once. You don't call Dumbo <laughs> flying elephant machine. Do you? you? He flies multiple times in the movie. Yeah, but... No, oh, well, he does. Okay. Yeah, that's his whole thing. <laughs> this is the actual conversation. Well, there, there, you go. there you go. That's the <laughs> argument there. They sing in the rain once. Yeah. You call that movie um, adapting to sound. How about that? Mm. Called adapting to sound. Mm-hmm. Or Gene Kelly's okay, but I like the other guy better. How about that for a title? And All right, then, so this guy Peter D. Martin, uh, who's the uh, who works for City Light Magazine, is overhearing this exact argument going. <laughs> oh, this this lady knows what she's <laughs> talking about. And so Peter D. Martin walks up to Pauline Kale and is like, "I want you to review." The movie Limelight. Oh uh, my goodness! Wow, City Lights wants me, Pauline Kale, to review Limelight. That's a little on the nose, don't you think, Mister Martin? Uh, please don't talk to me. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll just type. To yeah, you. just type to me. Send me a review of this conversation and of the movie Limelight. Which, uh, if you guys don't cool. know what Limelight is, it is uh, a Charlie Chaplin joint. Um. Only a few. It's like one of his movies he did after the Tramp, um, the Tramp, Tramp, uh, after Shemp, um, after the Charlie Tramp character, Chaplin's famous Tramp character. <laughs> he did go through a slight transition from uh, the Tramp to a Shrimp. Yeah, he's he's um, trying to revitalize him. But it was he was his movie where he's now talking and he's not the Tramp anymore. Anyways, um, and those movies are uh, kind of known for being not good. Um, and she said no. it was, quote, slime light. <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, my parody of her is not too far off. I mean, like, she's doing Weird Al before, like, slime she's light. She's doing like, what Weird is... Al before Weird Al. Yeah, I mean, she's just going, like. Do you think she, Weird um, Al got inspired by Pauline Kale's review of. 100%. <laughs> You know, I bet she also is like singing in the rain, more like singing in the the grave. <laughs> oh, I, I actually am curious on her take of slim singing in the rain. Um, anyways, Dying so in the rain. 
she uh kind of started became, beginning her her a voice into her yes. voice um she discovered a very she was kind of into um a very objective uh viewpoint um uh, or she sorry she, no complete opposite she was discouraging the objective uh viewpoint of critics at the time um uh, which our dear friend uh the old grouch himself bosley crowther uh, was known for that, where um, critics at the time um, kind of spoke as if uh, what they were saying was just facts. Um, like, they were just saying very objectively, this movie is bad, this movie is good, which I would argue um, Siskel and Ebert uh, kind of uh, pushed as well, I think. They kind of brought that back in the 80s. Um, and well, Pauline Kale never ventured onto TV. I think that was no, the, the no, big no. thing about Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel is they were TV yeah. personalities. She had conquered but she wanted, the written yeah. language. She wanted her reviews to, in her own words, they, she wanted it to, quote, breathe. Um, she wanted it to have a little bit of a kind of a life of its own. She didn't want it to be very uh, clerical, you know, a very kind of bullet point kind of uh, what critics were doing at the time. Um, so she began working at uh, an alt radio station called KPFA, uh, which is also in Berkeley. Uh, and she began to program uh, films at a two-screen facility um, and then apparently unapologetically would repeat films that she liked. Um, and uh, from there, she slowly started getting more and more um, coverage, more and more jobs, working various, uh, you know, critics or different uh, articles and things like that. She, she needed was starting to feed to get... that Gina James, her Ooh. daughter. Oh, yeah. Her, her daughter. Her daughter, she was doing this for not only herself, but think about this, people, for her freaking daughter, Gina James, who, which, by the way, she at the time could not afford surgery, okay, for this Gina Gina. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was writing this. Her Gina, what, what, what's happened with Gina? Like, she had something. A congenital heart defect. Oh. All right. Um, mostly, uh, who knows if, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything if, like, you know, she ever, I mean, it said throughout her childhood, but uh, Kale could not afford surgery. Uh, Bonna, Bonnie and Clyde hadn't come out yet where she could, you know, get her name truly out there, but, uh, so just just know that anytime she's every number or letter she's typing is going straight into Gina James's heart. fat face. No, into her heart. Yes, into her heart. So <clears throat> who knows? She may be around today. I'm gonna look that up. Yeah. While you look that up, I'll continue with her life. So basically, she uh, started making um, her first kind of thing that like got her big um was she got a book um she got a book deal uh which was published in 1965 uh which was a collection of uh the collections uh sold 150,000 paperback copies and was uh, a surprising bestseller it was just a collection of a lot of her criticisms and this happened oh. in 1965 um and uh yes in the same year she um had a blistering uh, review of uh, <laughs> the sound mm. of music, and uh, at this point, I'm I'm literally just sound of farting. Well, she said she it, she, it. No, she said it's the sound of money. Um, she really uh, likes see, that kind of love and parody. Yeah. 
Um, she said a sugarcoat lie funny. that people seem to want to eat. Um, and oh, yeah. uh, according to legend, food. this review, I guess, led her to being fired from um, McCall's. Um, or so we think. Apparently yeah, yeah, that yeah. is not... By the way, just a real... I'm sorry, I'm looking up. Gina James Kale does appear to be alive, but um, did you know that Pauline Kale was Miss Brooklyn? I'm seeing a photo. And she was she was Miss Brooklyn back in the day. Yeah. So Gina James, we can go see her. Road trip. Yeah, I mean, Gina she also, Bronte. like, people are saying that she uh, was uh, just kind of, she was bashing basically, like, every single one of, um, every single, like, popular movie that was coming out. Like, she didn't like Lawrence of Arabia, she didn't like Hard Day's Night, she didn't like Sound of Music. She was, she seemed to be, like, setting herself apart by by being very hard-nosed about, um like the state of cinema at the time um and she but was mind you she liked movies she loved she, she loved shoeshine loved she loved shoeshine yes shoeshine was one of them um in fact there's a collection of uh indie wire did a um a list of her top 15 greatest takes um let me pull up the one on oh. shoeshine um which i uh, i have a thing from the new yorker uh, on her five classic Pauline, uh, because she was a New Yorker uh, reviewer, yeah. uh, which it's it was quite hard to find her reviews uh, because you have to pay I paid. money to read. Yeah, can you please, for the love of all things, Pauline Kale, can I have that, please? Those sign-in things, can I have it, please? Yes. I I had to. <laughs> I, had I don't know to. what to say. I had to look up, uh, like Criterion Collection was the only uh, one that allowed me to see one of her reviews. What's the What's the review? Shoe what? Uh, shoe shine. Shoe shine is the one. She loved it. She actually, it was very kind of beautiful. Her reaction. It was yeah. So this I was uh, well, shoe shine. Shoeshine was an older movie from 1946, um, oh. and it's a, yeah, so, like, she, this is from Pauline Kale. When Shoeshine opened in 1940, I guess it opened in 47, I wanted to see it alone after one of, the, uh, of those terrible lover's quarrels that leave one in a state of incomprehensible despair. And I, I, I Dumbo the, the thing Dumbo about Sting. Pauline Kale is she really writes as a human being. Like, she writes about the, and this is kind of, like, what got her famous and what i think so many people love about her is when you go to see a movie it's the whole experience and that's also it i think people like reading someone's personal life at the time as well before they go into movies i mean that's like so many like youtubers now are just like so like into like talking about their lives uh and like joining that in like it's it's like being human um, and seeming human. And I think she was an extremely early example of this. Um, so she came out of, she was saying, uh, I came out of the theater tear streaming and overheard the petulant voice of a college girl complaining to her boyfriend. 
Well, I don't see what was so special about the movie. I walked up the street crying blindly, no longer certain whether my tears were from the tragedy on the screen, the hopelessness I felt for myself, or the alienation I felt from those who could not experience the radiance of shoeshine. For if people cannot feel shoeshine, what can they feel? <laughs> wow. I mean, I love that's that. like so well written. It's just like she's writing little mini books about her feelings coming but from these movies. That's such a well – what I hear from – and that is really well said. But what I hear from that is like these idiots, how could they not like this movie? Yeah. I mean that's how I feel when I see a movie or the opposite where I'm like, I, how do these people like this movie? Yeah. I mean okay. I, I think – She would be great on Twitter today. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. All right. So we got um, – we had – we had just Pauline Kale, you know. Now there's everybody's a reviewer, <laughs> you know, much like ourselves. You know, anybody can pick up a microphone and uh, talk into it. Yeah. Uh, but we had one Pauline Kale, and she was great at writing. Yeah. Uh, she basically what got her famous, and we talked about this in a um, previous episode, because um, she kind of uh, came up. Um, butting heads with Bosley Crowther, uh, who wrote a um, kind of scathing review of Bonnie and Clyde. Um, and she kind of doubled down. Um, and she was saying, uh, when Bonnie and Clyde came out, she said, um, Bonnie and Clyde is the most exciting American movie since The Maturian Candidate. Our experience as we watch it has some connection with the way we react to movies in childhood, with how we've come to love them, to feel they were ours. Um, she also apparently did not like Traplin movies. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm wow. Yeah, I, I I'm just reading this today. this whole article. I I just she's so it's interesting. So, anyways, she starts off being um extremely like the 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 reviewer or the critic who was like pushing um you know the American New Wave in which which became the '70s. Um, and she got a job at uh, the New Yorker, um, and she actually had like there was a co-person uh, as well. Um, yes, that was um, uh, the Penelope Gilliatt. Yeah, until 1979, and then she be she went uh, much like uh, Harrison Ford. Uh, she went solo uh, in 1980. Huh. Do you yeah. get that? Um, um, cool. No, but okay. Um, Pauline Kael would understand. And she was also a big proponent of other films. Uh, the one I remember, of course, from uh, my favorite book of all time, Easy Rider, Raging Bull, is she um, was a big proponent of Martin Scorsese's early stuff. Like, yes. hey, go see this uh, little movie called Mean Streets. You know? Yeah. It's got it's got it good. Yeah, and here's a review from. Um... Uh, uh, taxi driver. Um, she says this film doesn't operate on the level of moral judgment of what Travis does. Rather, by drawing on his on his vortex, it makes us understand the psychic discharge of the quiet boys who go berserk. And it's a real slap in the face of us uh, when we see Travis at the end, uh, looking pacified. He got the rage out of the system for a moment at least, and he's back at work picking up passengers in on uh, the front of the Saint Regis. It's not that he's cured, but that the city is crazier than he is. Uh, Scorsese, New York, is the big city of the thrillers uh, he uh, feasted on, feasted his imagination on. 
but at a later stage of decay. The New York is a voluptuous enemy. The street va uh, vapors become ghostly. Sport the pimp romancing his body, or his baby, who poor uh, leads her in a hypnotic dance. The porno theaters are like mortuaries. The congested traffic macabre, and his and this hell is always in movement. I mean, wh what a great, you know, she's just great at writing. Like it's 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 she's she's like a painter of words. She is, yeah, she's like a, a video game designer of words. So she was extremely supportive of a lot of these people up and coming. Um, she was extremely uh, supportive of Spielberg, Scorsese, um, De Palma. Um, I can't find any movies on, like, people of color and or... Female yeah, characters. there also was a little bit of controversy in which she was somewhat homophobic. Um, no. But she she also had... The thing about her is, like, it seems like she was also extremely... And I think one of the, the missions she had, and I think that's something that we kind of hold uh, dear now and we talk about a lot now, um, is she was extremely against the uh, tour theory. Um, like she was one of the driving factors, um, saying that Mank Mankiewicz, um, was the sole author of, uh, of Citizen Kane and the film was actually, he was, it was guided by him, not Orson Welles. Um, and Bogdanovich, Wait, she's, she was, she's against the art tour, but that's like, that sounds like she's going for it. Well, she was saying how like it wasn't basically she's saying like Orson Welles is like trying to like make it all about him. But, like, Mank had a much bigger role, and, like, it was kind of, like, a lot of people uh, were involved. But, like, she was saying, like, Orson Welles wasn't even really um, involved in this, really. Um, oh. um, I, I do want to say, uh, just uh, real quick, uh, someone once told me that there is no such thing as little homophobic. You're either homophobic or you're not. So... Yeah, there I mean, the, the the article that I'm reading is... Um, uh, she loved Last Tango in Paris, so I guess maybe she's not a big fan of um, uh, LGBTQ movies, but she loves it when butter's involved. <laughs> Isn't that what it happens? I, I remember trying to watch Last Tango in Paris and actually being kind of bored. Uh, I just know there is a sex either. scene. She just has a review... Shows. <clears throat> she has a review um, for the uh, – she called the straight-themed rich and famous, quote, more like a homosexual fantasy, saying that one female character, quote, affairs with this uh, masochistist overtones are creepy and because they don't seem like what a woman would get into, um, which, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of a lot of antiquated kind of ideas of gender roles and things like that. Um, she also, um, uh, in response to her view, uh, several critics uh, reapprised Kale's earlier review of gay-themed films, including a wisecrack Kale made about the gay-themed The Children's Hour. Quote, I always thought that this was why lesbians needed sympathy, that there isn't much they can do. It just seems like uh, she just kind of says things fairly carelessly uh, oh, a little bit. She's a little. She's a, a. She's a little bit of an artist, but she's also a little Howard uh, Stern. Yeah. 
Just saying what um, I guess just saying stuff. So uh, I will say, not saying that Howard Stern isn't an artist, but uh, I just I guess there is no but. But um, oh, we go with so, the but anyways. Well, but meaning therefore I continue on with another thought is uh, she. Yeah, I do want to watch Last Tango in Paris because that was one of the five reviews she had um, that I found interesting, um, where it really rocked her to her core. She In the review that I'm seeing on Criterion Collection, um, I guess it's in the pocket chat, or it's just on here, but she said, like, that, okay, um, Br Bernardo Bertolissini, sorry if I butchered that. Yeah, you did. Cini's, okay, what is it? I don't Berto know, just go ahead. Lucini, okay, well, Bern, uh, Bernardo Bertolissini's Last Tango in Paris was presented for the first time on the closing night of the New York Film Festival, October 14, 1972. That date should become a landmark in movie history. Wow. Comparable to, and then she goes on to it, but like, that should be in movie history she was like so enamored by it that she couldn't even go out with her friends afterwards to get wasted uh and talk about it i threw in the wasted thing i just assumed she got wasted um but she had to go home to ponder it uh just thinking to herself how could marlon brando shove that much butter up a, a buttocks i think that's the scene that's not what she said but um she just thought it was very it was like it was like in no movie had been this liberating. She also um, um, has, for all of the good reviews and all the things that she's pushed, um, she's also, she also had some things that I think uh, people kind of disagree with now. Um, like she has some pretty harsh uh, critiques of movies that I think are unanimously, unani unanimously enjoyed. Today, uh, such as the film Badlands. Um, she hated Badlands. This is her review. She said, The film is a succession of art touches. Malik is a gifted student, and Badlands is an art thing, all right. But I didn't admire it. I didn't enjoy it, and I don't like it. <laughs> I hate um, it. It stinks. But and that review... It's yeah. interesting because this is actually quoted in a New Yorker article, uh, article today, and the person said, Kale mistook Malik's pursuit of a relatively inexpressive performance style for a lack of emotion, as if emotion could be implied or elicited, elicited without being stated. The preconception on the part of the critics and actors alike regarding cinematic theatricality as a maker of feeling, a prejudice in favor of one particular school and method of acting remains as much an obstacle to creation as an apprehension. I really don't know what that means, but... Um, She's too smart. It, well, in this situation, it just seems like she kind of... If she doesn't like a movie, it's kind of just like, I don't like this movie. Another big uh, uh, instance of this is, and this was quoted in the classic, um, uh, I think, of Ending Things... Um, oh, which, yes. in fact, this entire criticism was just randomly quoted, which I don't really know how I feel, but I'll just read the last paragraph. Um, she talks about the movie uh, Woman Under the Influence. Uh, Mabel tries to slash her wrist, and Nick puts a Band-Aid on, uh, on the cut. The idiot sim uh, symbolism may make you want to hoot, but this two-and-a-half-hour two 
two-hour and 35-minute film leaves you too groggy to do more than moan. Details that are meant to establish the pathological nature of the people around Mabel and so show his isolation become instant, limp, false moments. We often can't tell whether the characters are meant to be unconscious um, of what they're doing or whether it's Cassavetes who's unconscious. Um, and it goes on. Wow. But she's just like, basically, it sounds like it is an onslaught of too much pain that like she just doesn't see the the humanity in anymore. She thinks it's basically just like uh, attacking you over the head with just like a bad relationship. Um, she doesn't really see the humanity in it from what I can tell. Um, which I disagree with. I, I, that's one of my favorite movies. It's very, it's uh, talk about a movie. I was not bored at all with it. Uh, and it definitely changed the way I thought movies could be made. You know, there are movies out there. I think, um, and there are movies, um, that are being made today that are probably awakening things inside people. Um, now. Yeah. Like that. Well, I think um, the thing about, um, uh, Pauline, um, Paul, Pauline, uh, Kale, um, is she's just extremely, she was extremely, um, controversial in that she tried to take opposing sides to things. Like when the but new wave was coming, not necessarily on purpose, but when the new wave was coming up, she was kind of pushing that and that was kind of against the system. But then there were some movies that kind of like slipped through that like, or like were like other up and coming movies that she really did not like. Um and uh let me pull up this. She did enjoy I'll get oh <laughs> there's two more. We only have six more minutes, but she loved Robert Altman. Um and she loved Nashville. Um uh, I can't read the review because I don't have it. Uh the the sign in. But the one I think is very controversial and would definitely, like, people, everybody would hate you for, and and she did, is she wrote kind of like a negative review for Shoah. The, huh. the eight-hour movie uh, about the Holocaust. And she was very, I mean, she is Jewish, uh, from a Jewish background, so there's kind of more of a, uh, you know, a, like she's coming from a Jewish perspective yeah. on this, uh, but she she says like basically, uh, she's saying that it's not a it, like, um, it was saying basically it, like Kayleen stood by her assessment for years, though suggesting that those who called show a, a masterpiece were omitting its subject over its filmmaking. So she didn't think it was a masterpiece in its as a film. But the things that it was covering was so vir like virile and and raw that people were just like saying, "Well, it has to be a masterpiece because yeah, its subject." Here's a um uh a review <laughs> um from Paul Schrader um talking about Pauline Kale um and this is kind of a uh a fairly positive take um she. She validated film reviewing. Uh, difficult it is to believe today, at the height of American counterculture, all people movies uh, truly mattered. It mattered which movies were made, which m movies audience saw, and what they thought 
of the movies they did see. Godard was important. Uh, Benoit was important. Paul Mazursky and Hal Atsby were important. Art was not happening in the museums. It was in the streets and movie houses. Kale was the Pied Piper of reviewers who made readers believe that movies, even disreputable, uh, disreputable movies, were important. If movies were important, it followed that movie uh, reviewing was important. Um, and then she goes on. Uh, not long before she died, Pauline remarked to a friend, when we championed trash culture, we had no idea it would become the only culture. That's exactly the point. She and her foot soldiers won the battle but lost the war. Mass taste has become acceptable taste. Box office uh, receipts the ultimate measure of the film's worth. Pop films kale uh, most love, such as HUD, if made today, would be considered art house fair. So I think huh. while Pauline Kale, I mean, I think every critic, I mean, you have things that might not stand the test of time, and your goal is to just write an entertaining article um, that you believe is true and honest. Um, she was championing this idea that movies were about human nature and should not be these giant blockbuster things that you see all the time today. Um, and, you know, I, I think it, it, she came at a very important time and she kind of heralded like a new type of um, film cr reviewing cr uh, criticism that yeah. I don't really know. I, I don't even think like we have much today besides like what you see online all the time on Twitter. Um, I mean, we have, I don't know, the, like I said before, the, it, there's so much muddle, and there are people, I guess kind of now, because everybody is a reviewer, you can kind of pick and choose who you enjoy. And something Pauline Kale couldn't do back then, it's almost make like, I mean, she was like a brand, but there are people out there who like can make a whole persona now. Like, yeah, there's, there's multimedia, you can do film reviews, you can do film essays. Uh, it's a beautiful new world that um, was kind of pushed by people like Pauline Kael. So we give Pauline Kael the official two thumbs undecided salute. Yeah. Um, where we uh, thumbs down her and then we thumbs up her. <laughs> thumbs down. Thumbs up. We salute you, <laughs> Mrs. And this is the Kale. only time that any uh, anyone's ever gotten this. Uh... The salute. Yes, there will be more saluting, and uh, our mission now is to find Gina James and go. Yes, is your is your heart okay? <laughs> How's the heart? next episode? We'll have Gina James on. I um, mean, James, Gina James kills heart. <laughs> Where heart? Her heart. Yeah, I mean, Osborne. Her not, heart. It's not like her heart was lost. Well, it was damaged. Yeah. Well, meaning we have to find her, thus finding the heart. Yeah. It's like Titanic, the heart of the ocean, the heart of uh, Gina James Kale. Anyways, that's two thumbs undecided. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>